We thank you, Jesus. We praise the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we're going to continue tonight with revival. So many lives have been touched. We're going to move into a time of worship. Let us lift up Jesus together. Let us magnify the name of Jesus. Am I in a Pentecostal church? Is anyone filled with the Spirit of God? I was, I was leading the service a couple of days ago, and I think somebody almost identified me as the hype man. But I want to clarify that. You'll notice I don't hype you up. If you're going to be hyped, it's going to be between you and God. So if, you, if you're apostolic and you're Pentecostal, you have that identity. You have the Spirit of God on the inside. It doesn't require me to hype you up. Amen. Because we serve a living God. We serve an all-knowing, everywhere at one time unlimited God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if that's the God that I serve, I'm willing to lift him up and magnify his name. I'm going to worship him because all that I have belongs to him. Let us worship the Lord together.
You can be seated for just a moment in Jesus' name. It's wonderful to have all of our friends that are visiting tonight with us from Glenville, Georgia. Amen. Thank y'all for coming out. And I do want to recognize that at least three of them. The first one is my friend and my neighboring pastor, Pastor Brad. Would you come up here and break the congregation? And then as he's coming also, uh, our youth director for Section 1, uh, Brother Justice and Wampler, right? And I, I just call him Brother Justice, but uh, all right. And then I believe I haven't met him, but I've read all about him on Facebook. That he's been praying many through to the Holy Ghost all around the nation. And he lives, I believe, right? Hmm? Richmond Hill. So uh, if you would come greet the congregation also, uh, Brother Ray, I knew your dad. I, I don't believe I've met you yet. Maybe I have if I have. Sorry, but Brother Brad, come greet the congregation. This is my friend He's doing an awesome job with Glenville. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. I want to take a second. Amazing what God is doing. And to hear the report from yesterday, we know that God's already in the house and already doing the work, right? There's nothing bad to it other than just giving God praise and thanks for it. And we're excited to just be neighbors to what the Lord is doing and being and knowing Brother and Sister Crutchfield for all these years and great friends and uh, emergency responders in the time of need as well. Amen. God bless. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen feels good in the house. I'm just excited to be here. Uh, give honor to your pastor. Uh, I've kept in touch on Facebook and all, and I see the people getting baptized, people getting set free, and I'm just excited about that. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Brother Justice, you. Young people, this is our section one youth could hide behind the baby, but that don't always work. But uh, excited to hear what just happened. Um, I always believe that every service should be a revival service. If somebody walks in the door and hasn't got the Holy Ghost, there's no reason why they can't be filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, it's funny you have it here, Double Portion 2024. I was actually joking with Pastor Brad and Brother Bird about a double portion tonight, and here it is on the side. So, we're definitely expecting that tonight, and God will do great things even tomorrow night as well. Just glad to be here with you guys. Appreciate you all. Amen, amen. Well, let's just lift up the name of Jesus and worship God tonight. Somebody stand and give him praise as the praise team sing. Come on, just lift up your voice, God. We exalt you, we magnify you, Lord of glory, feel this
Open your mouth and talk to God. to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. There's so much that God is wanting to accomplish. At times I wonder if we are actually behind the time or behind the schedule. Typically in our gatherings and meetings, one would probably say that it just kind of go with the flow of the hunger. expectation and I can tell that many of you have come here with your faith which is extremely important as the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please the Lord 
but it's not necessarily our hunger that determines the flow. But it's the direction of the Spirit. And I believe that generally He brings us into a place that our obedience to what He says and our willingness to surrender to what He is designed to do can bring us into a greater hunger for something that maybe we had not even thought about. But you would never have a hunger for a thing if you've never had it. It's kind of like sin. Um, it's better to fight the curiosity of a thing than to eat it and develop an appetite for it. I want to go to the book of 2 Timothy. God's still moving me. He's still working miracles. He's still healing. We thank the Lord for the breakthroughs that have happened. And there's more that's to come. I want to get into the word of the Lord. I want to go to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse. Who else put it the first verse? It says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own loss shall they heed to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Father, in the name of Jesus this night, I pray, Lord God, that your will would be done in our lives. I thank you, Lord, for the souls that you have filled. I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to fill more. I pray, Lord God, that you would fill every soul with the Holy Ghost that's come through these doors. I pray, Lord, that you would wash away sins. I pray for deliverance, direction. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that revelation would hit our lives. I pray, God, that you would purify our hearts, put everything, Lord, in its proper perspective. Help us to walk with the right perspective, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. God has a God has a plan. And uh, we're grateful tonight for the souls that have been saved so far. And uh, we're grateful for the miracles that have worked in our midst. We're grateful for the hand of God that is here with us tonight. We give honor and amen to the 
pastor of this house and his wife and family and ministry team that's here as well as the visiting pastor and ministers that are here with us tonight. We give honor to you in Jesus' name. But um, I believe that like we discussed yesterday, that Jesus is coming back for a church that has made herself ready. He is coming back for a church that is without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle, or any such thing. I remember when I came into this thing that we call Pentecost. And uh, I would say that what Pentecost is today versus what it was back then is completely different. I believe that today, modern day Pentecost is nothing more than just another organization and denomination that has a particular experience, which is what they experienced on the day of Pentecost. When Jesus spoke to the disciples and he told his disciples to go and wait in, to wait in Jerusalem, until they are endued with power from on high. They were not waiting for Pentecost. Uh, they were not sitting back saying, if we could just wait for Pentecost to show up, then everything is going to change. Uh, you have to understand that if anyone is going to walk with God, they're going to have to walk by faith. And, uh, I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear me. The Bible declares that the just shall live by her faith. So therefore, if these men are going to wait on what the Lord has spoken and wait in Jerusalem until they are due with power from on high, that means that in order for them to recognize the power in which they are waiting on, they need to have received some direction or some instruction from the Lord of what that power looks like and what will happen when you receive that power. And we see in the book of Acts when Jesus speaks to them and tells them to wait there, and he says that when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall be witnesses and he talks about uh, the purpose that will come and, and, and the works that would come when the Holy Ghost would come upon the lives of those individuals. When Jesus was speaking those words to them, the only thing that they could rebound on or could use as a point of direction for when the Holy Ghost comes what will it look like and what will happen when it shows up. Um, they had to go back to what he spoke to Nicodemus in the book of Acts chapter, I mean in the book of John chapter 3, when he says that that which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. He says, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. He says, for the wind blows where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof, but thou canst not tell from whence it cometh or whither it goeth. 
so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Immediately after this occurred, um, these men, they heard what Jesus said. And uh, these men did not just hear it just any kind of way, but they heard it, mixing it with faith. But when it came down to uh, the other Jews, many of them heard the word of the Lord, but they did not mix what they heard with faith. And because they did not mix what they heard with faith, it made what they heard ineffective. And the reason why was because of their traditions. And generally what happens is, is that when the Spirit of the Lord, when His Word begins to come into your life, there's going to be some things that He is going to speak to you. And you may have heard what He has said before, but He's going to speak the same word to you again, but yet it is going to deal with you in a way that it did not deal with you before. And it's at that moment in time that you can live or walk in the way that you have traditionally have done things, or you can allow the word of God to be your guide and to be your direction. And it's at that point in time where the scripture says, it's, the scripture says that the word of the Lord is a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our pathway. So the thing is, is that when the Lord spoke to uh, these disciples and they were waiting, they were waiting for what he told them was going to happen, but they had to say, all right, God, so Christ told us to wait in Jerusalem until we are endued with power from on high. And if he has told us to go there and wait, then more than likely there is somewhere else that he has spoken to us that tells us what it's going to look like once we get there. And the thing is, is that when we hear the word of God, we must take heed in how we hear. We cannot, as people of God, let anything that God has spoken in our ears slip. Now the thing is, like I told you the other day, that my agenda and my focus is not to do what we traditionally do or traditionally expect and kind of move off of a particular format. Uh, generally what has occurred in what we call Pentecost is that we have a format uh, and how we feel things are supposed to go. We have a format in how we feel things are supposed to flow. And if a person moves outside of that format, then what happens is we have a conflict that goes on because people say, well, man, you could have stepped in and you could have done this and you could have stepped in and you could have done that. Do you know all the things that could have occurred or could have happened if you would have done this or would have done that. The Bible makes the statement, it says in the last days, there will be people who are successful in doing this and successful in doing that. But the Bible says in the last day, he will, many will come unto him saying, Lord, Lord. They're gonna say, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I cast out devils in your name. We laid hands on the sick in your name. We preached in your name. 
We sung in your name. And he's going to say, flee from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. So, so the thing is, is within this thing called Pentecost, uh, and it's not just with that, it's with any other kind of denomination or religion that's out there. It can house workers of iniquity. And uh, therefore, a person cannot get their identity, and you should not uh, settle for the identity of being Pentecostal. And you can't even settle for the identity of being apostolic. You must settle for the identity of being a son of God. For the scriptures declares that as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Now we know that Jesus is coming back for a Holy Ghost filled people. But I've come to tell you that just because you're filled with the Holy Ghost does not mean that you're going to go with him. Every individual that he is, he's not coming back basically for a just a Holy Ghost filled church, but he is coming back for a Holy Ghost led church. And the thing is, but you hold on. The thing is, praise the Lord, because I, I've got some stuff to say. Amen. And I, I want to talk to you. There's some things that I feel that we that, that need to be spoken. And I honor you and I thank God for your amens and I thank God for your hand claps. But I don't want anyone to miss what I'm saying because you're busy giving me amens and busy giving me hand claps and you have not allowed the word which I'm speaking to settle in your heart. See, we understand the time that we're in right now. And many of you right now are ignorant of the time. And if you actually understood the importance of the time that you're sitting in right now, at the time of the hour, you would probably learn to receive what is being spoken with your heart and with your spirit and not just with your conscience mind. Because there are times where you can receive something from God and it really not actually sink in until you get home. There's some of you that you've got something from God and that thing didn't even sink in until you woke up the next morning. So I understand that when it comes down to the supernatural seeds that are being sold by the word of the Lord, the Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. That means that if you're listening to what the Spirit is saying and it is coming to your natural ear, just because your natural man has heard it does not mean that your spirit has received it. And a lot of times what has gone on in the church is that we've got people that are on the pews that have heard word and have heard preaching pastor preaches on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings and teaches on, 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 on midweek Bible class and, uh, and, and no telling how many other times there's ministry that is going forth in the church or outside of these walls on a weekly basis or the counseling that is given to you from other men and women of God that you interact with within this church. 
But the challenge is, is that when you have all of that, you would assume that if the seed was sold, then fruit would be, would be brought forth. Now we understand that the Bible makes the statement, it says that one man plants, another one waters, but God gives the increase. And I believe God gets the increase off the seed that is being watered. But it is very possible for people to assume that the preacher is watering seed when really he's not watering the seed, he's just replanting the very thing that your heart keeps pushing away because of either the thorns that are in your heart or the hardness that is in your heart. And what I've come to talk to you today is to let you understand that what God does is he has declared the end from the beginning. That means before we even get there, he has already defined and designed how the end is going to be for you. But the thing is, is that even though he has a plan and he has a will for your end, he is not going to use his will to violate your choice on whether or not you're going to agree, come into agreement with his will for the end of your life. Now the thing is, is if God has a will and God has a plan, then we must come into agreement with that. But we just can't say that we want it. We have to do more than just say that we want it. It has to go beyond the emotional stimulation that we have with our excitement and thrill that we have of, yeah, I like a little bit of this, I like a little bit of that. No, he made a statement. He said that if you love me, he said, you'll do what I tell you to do. He said, if you love me, he said, keep my commandments. How can you say that you love me and you don't even do what I say? So that means that in order for a person to conceive truth, they have to love it. Because the thing is, it is impossible to give conception to truth that you do not love. And a lot of times what is going on is that many people love Pentecost more than they love truth. They, they love the idea of church. They love the idea of worship. They love the idea of his presence. But they do not love truth. And the Bible makes the statement in the book of Thessalonians. It said, because they would not receive a love for the truth, God gave them over to a strong delusion that they would believe a lie. Now, the thing is, is that God is one. Uh, he, 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 he transcends time and uh, space. He is omnipresent. He could be in this room, and he could be in Glenville. He could be in Atlanta. He could be in California. He could be in Florida all at the same time. Uh, he can uh, be on the throne, and he can be in Christ, and he can be in John the Baptist all at the same time. Uh, he can occupy all space, but can I tell you that God not only occupies all space, but God occupies all time. That means that he is in your yesterday, and he is in your today, and he is in your tomorrow. But the reason how he is able to occupy all places is because he is eternal. You have to understand that he does not dwell in eternity, but eternity dwells in him. 
you got to understand that when you deal with God, you're dealing with a God that creates time. Now time, like we discussed in the book of Ecclesiastics last yesterday, that the Bible says that time is simply this. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. Now many people lose out on the purpose that God had planned by the time that they waste. You have to understand that the enemy, if he cannot steal your purpose, he'll just get you to waste your time. He can't steal your time from you. The only thing he can do is get you to waste the time that you have. That's why the scripture says to redeem the time. Why? Because the day is evil. That means that if the day is evil and God is telling you to redeem the time, then if you do nothing with the time that you have in the evil day, it is very well possible for you to lose out on the day that God has because of the evil that is in that day. What do you mean? If you do not redeem time, then the evil that is in the day will deceive you with the time that you've got to the point where you will start, you will start valuing. There's some people that value yesterday. Uh, and, and the way that you know, praise the Lord, or whether or not you're redeeming time, is that when the Lord sows a particular seed in the soil, and you come back later on, and you see that in the season that that seed, that there should be fruit on that tree, like the fig tree was in the scripture, and the Lord shows up, and there is no fruit that's there, then it is very well possible that that fig tree did not redeem the time that it took for it to bring forth the fruit that it was supposed to bring forth when Jesus showed up. Have you ever sat back and began to wonder and ask the question, why in the world would the Lord curse the fig tree? He simply cursed the fig tree because the fig tree refused to redeem the time that it was given to it for the purpose of bringing forth fruit. Now the thing was that many of us are just concerned about being uh, Pentecostal, being apostolic. We're just concerned about our outward look. What do you mean by the hurt? You've got to understand that you can look at the identity of the fig tree and see that it was a fig tree just based upon its leaves. You didn't even have to see the fruit on the tree to know that it was a fig tree. You can look at its leaves. You can look at where it was positioned. You can look at how God structured it, and you can tell that it was a fig tree. But the fig tree was only concerned about bearing leaves. It was not concerned about bearing fruit. Can I talk to somebody in this room that God is not, God has given the fig tree leaves for a, for a covering, but he did not give it leaves just for it to walk around fruitless. Can I tell you that God is not covering you for you to be unfruitful. God is covering you that you can continue to produce fruit. But see, the challenge is, is what's going on is that God, what he does is the Bible makes the statement. It says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And how shall you hear without a preacher? And how shall he preach except he be sent? If God is eternal in which we know he is, and God knows the end from the beginning, because he is gracious, and because he is merciful, 
we understand that God extends the days of our life because of an act of mercy. His mercies are made new every morning. So because he is making mercy new to us every single morning, what God begins to do is he recognizes that the judgment that is ahead of us. So in order for him to stop the judgment that is coming or prevent us, to detour us, praise the Lord, from stepping into what he does not want us to step into, he comes to where we are at. And not only does he come to where we're at, but he will allow circumstances in life, praise the Lord, to even save you. Case in point, the scripture declares that Paul made a statement. He said that uh, lest he would be lifted up above measure uh, for the abundance of revelation that the Lord had given him. The Bible says that the Lord sent a messenger of Satan to buffet him. A thorn was given to him. And that thing was there. Why? The Lord sent the messenger of Satan to buffet him. Why? Because if God would not have sent that messenger of Satan to buffet Paul, Paul would have been lost by his own pride. Why? Because it was something in Paul that he would have gotten puffed up. Now you say, well, Brother Hurt, how could you say that Paul was a prideful man? Well, the Bible makes the statement that the contention between him and John Mark, because John Mark basically bailed out on them uh, on one of his journeys, and Barnabas had already purposed in his mind, in his heart, that John Mark was coming with him. But when Paul found out that Barnabas purposed that John Mark was coming with them, Paul was like, John Mark is not coming. And uh, John Mark wanted to come. Paul was like, no, you're not coming. And the contention, the Bible declares, among John Mark and Paul was great. Now, the Bible makes the statement that it says, through much pride comes contention. So that means that if there's contention in your marriage, if there's contention in your church, if there's contention in your ministry, if there's contention that follows you everywhere you go, then contention can only be present where there is an abundance of pride. For the Bible declares, it says, through much pride comes contention. So what do you mean? Pride does not come from a small amount of I mean, contention does not come from a small amount of pride. Contention comes through an abundance of pride. So the thing is, is that if God says that contention comes through abundance of pride, and God says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, in order for God to continue to continue to give Paul the grace that was needed and to keep Paul in the state of humility, the Lord sent a messenger of Satan so that Paul would never get lifted up above measure. Why? Because if God would, have, would not have sent the messenger of Satan to buffet Paul, then Paul would have gotten lifted up to a place where God would have now had to resist him. Why? Because of the proudness and the pride that was in his heart. So what are you saying? God will allow, will step out of eternity and will step into time, will move things in this time to create what you would call discomfort and problems and the whole purpose will be centered around to save you. God sends a preacher, hallelujah, God sends a preacher in your life 
to save you. God sends apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body. Now the challenge is, is the day and hour that we're living in is that we have, we are dealing with an hour, praise the Lord, where churches are beginning to figure out. Now, there are many churches that have gotten a hold of it, and there are many churches that have not gotten a hold of it. And there are many churches that have gotten a hold of the fact, praise the Lord, that we've got to do more than just edify. You know, there's some brethren, praise the Lord, uh, 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 they're of that persuasion, praise God, that their whole focus, praise the Lord, is just centered around uh, just new people. We just want to be the church of the city that everybody loves. We want everybody to think of us and to love us. Praise the Lord. But you got to understand that the world is not going to love you. Uh, the Bible declares that the world loves its own. And you got to understand that a friend of this world is an enemy of God. So, so therefore, people that have a desire to try to get in good, praise the Lord, and rub shoulders with this person and rub shoulders with that person, can I tell you that God is not looking for the preacher to rub shoulders with politicians. He's looking for the preachers. Hallelujah. If you're going to rub shoulders, rub shoulders with Christ. Hallelujah. Because the thing is, Praise God that what we're needing in this hour is we're needing to return back to the book. We have to return back to what is written in the word of God. We've got to turn the hearts of the people back to God. Because what's going on is the Bible makes a statement. It says because it says that, uh, that, 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 that they made the word of God of none effect through their traditions. Why? Because they taught for doctrine the traditions of man. What do you mean? That that means, praise the Lord, that as long as I'm just coming to church, as long as I'm faithful to my midweek Bible study, as long as I'm faithful to Sunday morning worship, as long as I'm faithful in paying my tithe, giving them my tithes, and, and, and giving them my offering, as long, praise the Lord, as I'm faithful in these things, and I just keep coming to the house of God, and I make sure I don't cut my hair. Praise the Lord. Make sure uh, that, 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 that I uh, make sure that, 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 that my, my, I'm wearing pants and make sure that I'm wearing a dress. Make sure I'm wearing a skirt. Make sure that I'm doing all of these things. Then everything is fine. But can I talk to somebody in this room that you can obey all of the rules that come with Pentecost and still be lost? Because what it takes to be a son is much more than what it takes to be Pentecostal. And what I'm here today, praise the Lord, is I'm here to deliver some people, praise the Lord. Because there are many Pentecostals that are dying and going to hell right from the church. Why? Because they achieved the pinnacle of what it was called to be a good saint in a good apostolic church. But they never achieved the being called a son of God. When the Bible says the Lord knows them that are his. And they that name the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So what do you mean? That means that if you are departing from iniquity... That means that you're not just leaving the world. See, the challenge is, praise the Lord, there are many people that have left Egypt but have not left iniquity. See, the thing is, is that the 
issue right now, praise the Lord, the Bible says in the last days that many shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. What do you mean? If you're walking in faith, faith will lead you outside of iniquity. But if you're being stagnated and you're not walking in faith, then you're walking in iniquity. And the challenge is, is that you can stay in the faith and cast out devils. You can stay in the faith and you can speak with new tongues. You can stay in the faith and preach water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. You can stay in the faith and you can preach the infilling of the Holy Ghost by evidence of speaking with other tongues. Can I talk to somebody in this room when the Lord is speaking about people leaving the faith and giving heed to seducing spirits? He's not just talking about Trinitarians. He's not just talking about Charismatics. He's not just talking about people that are going into other religions. I'm talking about people that are going into other spirits. Why? Because God did not give you the Holy Spirit for you to walk in your human spirit. So what do you mean? That means that if God is understands what we are stepping into. The Lord will allow things in life. He will step from eternity in the time. And he will allow things in this time, hoping that it will detour you to the place where it puts you back on track. Why? Because you understand that the Bible declares that hell has enlarged herself daily. Hell keeps getting bigger when the pathway to heaven is smaller. The Bible makes the statement that says, enter into the straight gate, for straight is the gate, and narrows the way that leads to the path of life, and few be there that find it. Why? Reason why few find that gate that leads to the path of what life is because wide is a gate and broad is a way that leads to the path of destruction. And many people it be that go in thereof. Why? Because people are looking for ways that will accommodate what they want instead of looking for what accommodates what God wants. What do you mean? That, that means that David was a man that was after God's own heart. Now you've got to consider that David was a man that was after God's own heart, but the Lord, he rejected Saul. Now Saul was one, the Bible makes a statement, was a man of God, praise the Lord, uh, that there was anointed of God, but there was a condition, that there was an issue that Saul had. Saul was more, uh, Saul got in trouble for the things uh, that he did not kill. You follow me? He, he got in trouble for what he did not kill. And David got in trouble for what he killed. What do you mean? You're going to understand that even to the point where when David died, right before, I mean, when David desired to build a house for the Lord, the Lord would not let David build the house. Why? Because he killed too much stuff. But at the same time, even though David killed too much stuff, he was a man after God's own heart because when he killed the wrong thing, when God confronted him for killing the wrong thing, he did not turn from God, but he turned to God and he said, Lord, he said, forgive me. He said, Lord, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right spirit. He said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Why? Because David was not trying to use God to gain an audience with the people. 
See, see, David was not concerned about his audience with the people. David was concerned with his audience with God. And there are many people, praise the Lord, that are concerned about the audience with the people. Why? Because the thing is, is that when you're concerned about your audience with the people, then your relationship with God is only centered around what the people see and what the people know. But when your relationship with God is centered around God and centered around what God sees and what God knows, then when God confronts you, you're not sitting back and being concerned about somebody restoring about what other people view you as. You're concerned about what God sees you as. What do you mean? You're going to understand, praise the Lord, that David, praise the Lord, uh, the, the, the Lord didn't say, praise God, that, uh, that, that Nathan came and put his business out there publicly. No, David did not come. Nathan did not come to David and put his business out there publicly. The word found David privately. But David had enough character about himself that even though he made a wrong move and even though David was a murderer, he had good character. Why? Because when the word confronted him, he fell down on his knees and he repented before God. There are some people in the church that you might not have done what David did, but your character is the character of Saul. You might not have the sin of David, but you got the character of Saul. And can I talk to somebody in this room that God turns around and it looks like David is getting a second chance at restoration and Saul is getting rejected by God. Why? Because it was all about Saul. But when it came down to David, it was all about God. And when it came down to it, David would rather repent and cry out to God and say, Lord, this is where I'm at. Lord, this is where I'm at. But God, I'm not going to try to deny my issue. I'm not going to try to be puffed up. But Lord, I'm going to humble myself before you. And he repented before God. And God restored him. Because David was a killer. But you know what? But when you consider Solomon, you know, Solomon, David, the Bible declares that the Lord, after David did what he did, the Lord takes David's son. You know the story? The child that him and Bathsheba conceived died. And David grieved briefly. Then he washed his face and he began to worship God. And sometimes you got to learn to wash your face and begin to worship God. There's some backsliders in this room. There's some people in this room that's battling with some things or maybe you failed at some things and I've come to tell you that after you repented before God, you need to wash your face and begin to worship God because on the other side of you washing your face and on the other side of you worshiping God, God said, I'm going to restore to you what you lost. He said, I'm not going to put you on the backside of a field somewhere
But when you look at Solomon, Solomon was able to build the house because he had no blood. He had killed nothing. But if you look at the character of David and you look at the character of Solomon and you look at the character of Saul and you look at Saul's influence in the direction in which he went when it came down and how he led the people of God. Saul led the people away from God. David led the people to God. Solomon led the people away from God as he started off leading the people to God. So what are you saying? That means that you can't just start this thing. You gotta finish. You gotta finish your course. You gotta finish this race. You can't just start off good, but you gotta understand that between now and the time of the end, the adversary will beef up his attacker. And when the adversary is beefing up his attacker, it is because he does not want you to finish. He does not want you to finish to the end. The Bible declares, if you endure to the end, the same shall be saved. He does not want you to endure. So that means if the attack beefs up in the end, the end is going to require more of a focus than what it required in your beginning. That's why the pathway becomes more narrow. Bible declares that straight is a gate and narrow is the way. That means it's like a funnel. The Bible makes the statement that says about the rich man, it's like uh, the Bible says it's, 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 almost, it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a rich man to enter into the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. The eye of the needle is a, uh, is a, is a tunnel. It's a gate in the wall of Jerusalem. And in order for you to go through that tunnel, go through that gate, praise the Lord, it's a very narrow path. And in order for a camel to go through, it's got to get down very low and it's got to unload all of its baggage in order for it to fit through. Why? Because there's only room for the camel. There's no room for the baggage. And the Bible says it's easier for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So when you say it, that means that if you're going to enter into this thing, you can't carry your baggage. You got to get rid of your baggage just because you're able to come into the church with your baggage. that are out there in the world does not 
it's like the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth, and you know, we see on the sixth day God created mankind. And we're walking around and we're just talking about, I'm the man. Why? Because I'm, 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 the, I'm the sixth day man. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm the sixth day man. I'm the man. Turn to your, turn to your wife and say, I'm the man. Why turn to your husband and say, I'm the man. You know what he does? He beats up his attack. 
Can I talk to somebody in this room? That the longer, the more you walk with God and the more victories you have, the more the adversary is going to beef up his attack. But the Bible makes a statement in the book of Daniel and said in the last days that the enemy will try to wear out the saints of the Most High God. Can I talk to somebody in this room? There are many people in this day and age right now that are becoming more and more worn out, becoming more and more weary, becoming more and more stressed, becoming more and more depressed to the point where we are now developing this culture of itching ear preaching and teaching. You look for preachers that feed a particular appetite. What do you mean? You're only hungry for a particular kind of message. You're only hungry for a particular kind of preaching. You're only, you only want certain things to the point where they're preachers that will only bring in certain people. You can edify my people, but don't correct them. Bible makes the statement that apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is for the perfecting which is all you in which you cannot you cannot correct you cannot perfect the thing if you can't correct and, and there's some of us in this room that once the preacher starts perfecting you it starts correcting you in some areas of your life then all of a sudden you're like well I'm gonna go somewhere else or I'm not liking how it, it, it feels and somebody would say well brother her that feels grievous well chastisement feels Your pastor, he's cool. He's like, no, brother, hurt. You just give all the Holy Ghost. Whatever you feel, man, there's no time restraint, man. You just give whatever the Holy Ghost. You guys got a good pastor. Let's give God a praise. Thank God for you. I had a pastor one time, he said, Brother Herbert, he said, I think he heard what I, I preached. I did something in a neighboring church and um, I rebuked somebody, but it wasn't that hard. But it was hard enough for them to hear about it, I guess. And, um, and um, it wasn't that hard, I promise you. It wasn't that hard. Um, I've been rebuked, privately and publicly. And it was good for me. The preacher said, Brother Hurdy said, all I'm saying is I'm going to tell you what my pastor told me. It was right about an hour away from service. And I said, he said, what's that? He said, Brother Hurdy, if you're going to rebuke, he said, if you got a strong word from a people. And I was like, no, I haven't even preached yet. You know? <laughs> I might be preaching roses and apples. You know? <laughs> He said, at least do it with tears in your eyes. I said, I'd be lying. He said, huh? I said, I ain't doing that. He said, what do you mean? He said, you, you don't sadden you, make you teary-eyed when you have the discipline. I said, man, if I start crying, Right before I'm getting ready to whip one of my kids. <laughs> and like, we getting ready to die.
said, only see me crying if I'm I, I grieving over the death of somebody, or I'm worshiping, or I'm praying, or calling out to God, or repenting. That's it. That's like, and he, he would probably equate that like the Lord, you know, the Lord said, I repented that I even made them full. <laughs> when he see me crying, just worshiping and repenting. But he made that statement. I said, no, brother, I said, I, I, I don't like this and having to do it. I said, but I do it as an act of love and ministry. I said, my intent is to deliver them from destruction. That's my whole intent. If there wasn't, if there was, if there's another kind of way to deliver them from destruction, I'd use that. But the Bible says that, you know, you know, when you beat your children, you're delivering their soul from destruction. So what's happened, church, is that we have we have this uh, this culture in which we have become overcharged in one area and undercharged in another area to the point where I need you to understand that there have been many people that you know that have died and went on to hell If we were to go and get that man that the scripture speaks about, the rich ruler. Bible says that when he got to hell, it says that he speaks out and says, let me go back. Let somebody go back and speak to my family. I wonder how many people right now who are in church I wonder how many people who have been members even of Life United Pentecostal Church that have died and nobody in this room could possibly believe that they went to hell. And that if you did know, it would be grievous and devastating to the people in this church. And one time I thought, I was like, Lord, I wonder what would happen if people could go on Facebook Live the moment they step into an eternity. You know how they do baby reveal parties? What would happen if they had eternity reveal parties? But what that would do would be that it would create a culture of people who would not serve God out of love, but they'll serve God out of fear. Because they won't magnify who went to heaven, they're going to magnify who went to hell. And the only one the Lord wants to be magnified on who went to hell is the one that went and came out, not the one that went and stayed. So what are you saying, Brother Hurt? I'm saying that as the times are turning, hearts are becoming...
becoming more darker. The Bible says because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now it says we're sin about grace doth much more about. But iniquity, you see iniquity abounding in the same hour as grace is. And grace and people who were recipients of the grace of God end up turning from it. Why? Because they started giving themselves over to their own desires. The Bible makes the statement that says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as the sin of idolatry and iniquity. And the challenge is right now is that there's rebellion, which is witchcraft, and iniquity, which is idolatry, it's, I mean stubbornness, and idolatry, which is also stubbornness, which is more prevalent in us than the actual denial of self to have a congregation and a pastor line up people in a congregation and say, how many people in this room that you have that are not that are not stubborn, that are not workers of iniquity, that is not walking in rebellion. And the pastor would have to twiddle his thumbs to try to find 10 people. Why? Because just like we could not find anybody yesterday, when I said, is there anybody in this room that's got no spots on their suit? I mean today, let's do a spot check. I got a spot right here. I got a spot the same spot. I had this trouble. Anybody got a wrinkle? Yep, I got a wrinkle right there. Anybody got a blemish? Right there. Anybody in this room that's got something on that ain't got no spots on it? You're spotless. You spotless brother. Who said they spotless? My faith, my faith. Anybody in this room without any blemishes? Anybody in this room without any wrinkles? All right, come here. Something happens when you stand in the light. 
Just like yesterday, there was no one, and today we can't find anyone that is without spot, that is without blemish, that is without recall. It shows you that our mindset about blemishes, spots, and wrinkles is completely different than the mindset of God. Because God, we are only concerned about the blemishes, and spots, and wrinkles that you and I see. My wife is like, George, you need to take that off. George, you get that, that one little string that just keeps hitting. Let me cut it. No, leave it alone. George, just, just, is it getting on your nerves? Is it embarrassing? Yes. Can nobody see it? George, why don't you iron that shirt? Why don't you take it to the dry cleaner, iron it or something? Let me let me iron the shirt. Why are you putting it on up under? Can't nobody see it? I ain't taking it off. <laughs> Just iron the front. We gotta go. Iron the front, don't iron the back, don't iron the sleeves. Come on, the only one. This is confession time. Brothers in the room, brother, you're the only one. You're the only one. Just know that it's there. Why are you gonna be up there preaching? Like, his shirt wrinkled, his sleeve wrinkled. <laughs> <laughs> she just got iron. Thing is, is that we're only concerned with what others see.
chapters of Acts? <coughs> Some of them. This one, what else? 28, 27. This is a lot. 26, 27, 28. 28. All right. That's what I thought. 28 books and acts that told you what they did. But the letters told you. Rich man music. 
You got poor man music. You got the music that's like, you're broke, you ain't got no cash. You got that music like, don't even think about it, don't even ask me. Then you got that money, that music that just make you feel like you're just rich. They play that music, spend it all, spend all of the money. We're sitting there going through this presentation, and we sit through that. Why? Uh, you know, my wife is like, George, why are you messing with these people? You know you're not going to buy them. <laughs> you have to make it interesting. You get that dinner. Yeah, you get the dinner, yeah. Yeah, you know, give me this, you know. Uh, give me that, you know. But uh, you sign up for this, I'll give you a $1,000 credit card. <laughs> give me that. I'll give you that with nothing. Give me that with just nothing. All right. And I give you, you know, I give you this uh, excursion package for $5,200. Go wherever you want to go. All right. Give me that without, I give you, I just throw that at you for, for nothing. Just for being here another 30 minutes. And all of a sudden we sit through that. Why? Because we sit through what we have an appetite for. There's something that we're wanting to get. And the thing is, is that I know that I've been going for a minute. And, um, and I know that for many of you that don't sit back and watch three and four hours worth of Netflix, <laughs> scroll on your Facebook for God knows how long. I know that this is a challenge for you to be able to sit down and listen to something that's going to deliver you. If you don't have an appetite for his word, what do you have an appetite for? If, 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 if you Suffer a long time. 
says, for the time will come when they will not endure, they will not what? They will not tolerate. Don't give me sound doctrine. What do you mean? There, there are times where I talk to people, people call me and say, Brother Herbert, I got this situation going on at home. I got this situation going on with my spouse. I got this situation going on with my kids. And I tell them what the scripture says. I understand that. But, but I, I'm just sorry. I just can't do that. Well, tolerate it. Listen, we got too many people talk that, 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 are, that are sound in one doctrine and often the other. Because just because you believe Acts 2.38 and you believe the Godhead does not believe you got sound doctrine. There are all kinds of doctrines. Doctrines of baptisms. Doctrines of the oneness of God. Doctrines of devils. You got all doctrine that's nothing more than teaching, instruction. And the Bible says in the last day, not just talking about people in the world, it's talking about people in the church. The church will not tolerate sound instruction. <laughs> you got people bringing in folk, everybody nowadays, don't want people to get delivered. We ain't casting out devils. We're bringing in now. We're bringing in counselors and therapists. And they're, teaching the, and they're telling the people who advance the kingdom of God to sit down and learn something. But psychology is not even the study of the body. It's the study of the soul. How are you going to fix what you say is a mind issue by dealing with the soul when psychology is the study of the soul. What are you saying, Brother Herb? I'm saying that the closer we get to the end of time, the more there's going to be a lack of tolerance for what is true. This is a reason why you've got to be filled with the word of God. David said, I hear the word in my heart that I would not sin against God. There are places you go to, you know, See, the person that wants to, if, if you go to the sick bed of a person, my father was dying of pancreatic cancer. I went and before, when they, when they thought the cancer was gone, Pastor Brother Justin, they thought the cancer was gone, immediately, he, he, he was, I was like, Dad, I, I, I said, I'm frying some catfish. So I got a bunch of catfish and fried up. I said, it's kind of spicy. I got a little Cajun kick to it. I said, you want some? He said, yeah, yeah, sir, give me that. Bring me some, so I went into the house. Go get it, it was right around the corner from the hospital. From where he was at, and I went back. He's ready to eat. The doctor comes into the room. But the doctor comes in and says, Mr. Herbert, sorry. But we, we found cancer that it has spread. We see it in your intestines, and we also see it in your liver. There's nothing that we can do to help you. You know what happened immediately? It's hunger left. Why? Because he wanted to live. And 
now what his focus is on is making sure that when it was time for the doctor to speak to him concerning his life, you couldn't hear a peep in the room. See, the thing is, is that we love our lives more than we love our souls. And the thing is, is that in the room, there was not one peep. We weren't getting up walking. We were even taking notes. And I'm quite sure if I was in the same predicament, I probably would be telling, I'd probably be focused, and I'd be clinging on every word. Why? Because I know that my life weighs in the balance of what comes out of this man's mouth. Because I'm going to ask him, what do I need to do? And the thing is, is that it is appointed unto man to die once. And the scripture says after that, the judgment. You want to die, you're going to die once. But woe unto them that die the second death. Because if you die the second death, there is no hope. What do you tolerate? You tolerate somebody cussing. But you can't tolerate sound teaching. Who you tolerate? You tolerate being at the ball game, football game, basketball game with everybody, but, but, but yet you, can, you can't tolerate being at church on a midweek unless it's a special day. But what's, it shows the condition of your soul. You say, well, preacher, well, well brother, her, I, 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 there's, no, you know, there's nothing wrong with me doing this. There's nothing wrong. I, I, I don't have to. Listen, that's the problem. You've got so much philosophy. And you have zero word. And the Bible says, let no man spoil you through vain philosophy. Through philosophy and vain deceit. When you spoil something, you overthrow it. Just like Jesus spoiled principalities. That means he led them through the city with an open shame. He destroyed them, annihilated them. And paraded them in defeat through the city. And that's what happens when you take philosophy and fake deceit. And what I am concerned about is that the church is being spoiled by philosophy. When you say it, Mother Her, I'm saying this day that, that, that you've got to get to the place where you return back to a place of a soundness of doctrine. Because sound doctrine will produce sound minds. Sound doctrine will produce sound thoughts. doesn't mean that God's going to tolerate you. Just because you won't tolerate sound doctrine does not mean that God's going to tolerate your sacrifice that you present to him in the end. 
that was the whole issue that Cain had with God. It wasn't that Cain, Cain brought God a sacrifice. He just wanted him to take it. You, need to, you ever have brought somebody a gift? You need to just be happy you got that. You keep my money back. How you gonna ask for a gift? How you gonna, I, I give you a gift and you gonna tell me, take it back? I don't want this? Oh yeah. We, we look at that as cocky. We get an attitude about that. God told Cain, I don't want that sacrifice. Own something's gonna cost you something. You see, the thing is, is that when we won't tolerate sound advice, it's because we're no longer listening to it. And people who won't tolerate sound teaching won't embrace it. What do you mean? I know just because you go to this church and this is your preacher and this is your pastor, this is your teacher, your leader, that God is placing your life, that doesn't mean that you're tolerating what he says. That doesn't mean it. I can tell, we can tell who is receiving what he's teaching by the fruit that's on your tree. If he teaches a series on, you know, loving your wife and loving your husband, and next year you still acting like you were this year, you acting like y'all, y'all with the WWF. Is <laughs> UFC at your house? I can tell that you're not, you're hearing what he's saying. You're amen in him. But I've seen people amen, good preachers, they can go cut somebody out. With the same tongue they talk with. I mean, with the same tongue that they use to speak in tongues with. Won't tolerate. So what do they do? When you're not tolerating sound teaching, when you're not digesting it, you check out. When something is being spoken into your ears that's coming from God. When you're not tolerating sound teaching, sound doctrine, you start looking for something else in another direction. The Bible says, after their own lust. What do you mean? That means the Bible says that the man when you deal with lust, you're dealing with passions and desires that are within the flesh. And you now start looking for preaching that leaves room for accommodating the things that are in your flesh. You look for preaching that won't. It's not just, oh, I'm looking for a preacher that's going to let me, you know, uh, go shake it up in the club.
This is one of the biggest lusts. This is one of the biggest lusts. But this is, but after their own lusts. Show the heat. They deal with people. I'm going to, I, I, I'm only looking for this tonight. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for this. This is my, and, and we've masked the lust, and we've called the lust expectation. But there's two sides of the coin. On the other side of the coin, it's lust. It's harboring lust, but on the other side of the coin, it's my own expectation. And you're using your own expectation. And, you're, 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 and there are people that go here, run here, run there, run here, run there. And there's nothing wrong with coming with expectation. But honey, you need to learn to have a hunger for what God has for you. You can't just sit back and say, Lord, all right, I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm willing with all my heart to receive this. But if you start touching that, my passion, I'm not going to really receive that. This will probably get choked out by the thorns, by the cares of the life, or by my offended spirit. But this right here, I won't let this get choked out because you hit right where I want. So even if I got to fast 24 days, even if I got to pray for 52 hours straight, now I'm going to do that. Why? Because, because, you know, this is what I want. That attitude and that spirit is the character of idolatry. It is the character of stubbornness. It is the character of iniquity. Tonight, Because there is a demand, there's supply. Supply is made because of demands. And when people have demands because of the lust of their flesh, then the enemy begins to supply preachers and teachers that will give to you what will accommodate your demands. And I've come to tell you this day that the only way that you're going to be able to make it at this hour is you've got to die. You've got to die. I've been, in, I've been in too many meetings where I've seen God not saying that there aren't some things that are pressing you, things that are pressing you, things that are fighting you. But I'm telling you that, 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 that something starts coming into alignment when we start embracing. You want soundness to come to your life? How do you embrace sound teaching? How do you embrace sound advice? Because today, you may say, Brother Hurt, you don't understand the things I've got going on in my family. Listen, 
I've seen them where God, you know, you got this person right here, Lord, I'm dying, but, but I, I'm a focus on what you want. And while you're doing that, God starts dealing with stuff that you feel is completely irrelevant from the main issue. You know, for instance, when we take prayer requests, are there any pressing needs? And I found that the things that may be pressing us may not be the things that are pressing God. That's why some people don't speak in tongues when they pray. They speak in English. Why? Because they're more concerned about saying what they want to talk about than they are concerned about saying what God wants to talk about. I told the church the other day in the seminar I was doing, I said, you know, one of the men got up and you know, he, he said, well, well, you know, I don't, you know, I don't speak in tongues like that when I pray. He was like, I think praying in English is better because he said when I pray in English, at least I know what I'm talking about and I get to speak on all the things I know that's going on. If a person all they do is just pray in English and never pray in tongues, they're selfish. You're selfish. It's all about you. There's not one time you will ever pray in tongues and you'll be out of the will of God. Every prayer that you hold on, every prayer that you pray in tongues will always be in the will of God. You will only pray according to the will of the Spirit. When you, I mean, when every time you pray in the Spirit, every prayer that you pray in the Spirit will always be in the will of God. But every prayer that you pray in English is subject to be judged. And what God is looking for tonight, he's looking for some people that says, God, I'm willing to deny myself. All Pentecost has become is, you know, why don't you come in? You know, you got something going on in your family. Come join our church. You know, we'll love you to life. And, you know, we, we believe in that. I believe in, I don't believe in being mean the Pentecost. Meanicostals. <laughs> or or Pentecostals. I don't believe in that. <laughs> but, you know, hey, you know, what can we do to make life better for you? And we're trying to put this fake mask on to the world that we really love them, but we don't even love each other. <laughs> we're the friendliest church in the neighborhood. We want to be the friendliest church. We love all of our visitors until you become a member. It's like an initiation. Brother Hurt. We love all the people. We, 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 but you don't love your family. You put all your effort into the mask that you want everybody to view you and your family as, but yet at the same time, y'all can't stand each other when you come home. God's like, I want to deal with that. And the only way you can deal with that is you've got to begin to embrace the teaching. Why? Because ultimately, Everybody, there's four soils. 
but only one soil produces the good fruit. And I've seen it with God. Somebody starts denying themselves. All right, God, I'm, I'm yielded. I'm surrendering. And all of a sudden, you ever cut up a tree and that thing looks like well, all the issues, the reason why that thing ain't being moved is because of what's going on right here. It may not be right here. It may be something going on over here. This, this thing has got the roots have moved all the way to over here. But really, if you would just start cutting around here instead of touching what you see first. If you allow God to dig up the stuff that is under the soil, then you begin to see God move the stuff that's above the soil. Sometimes, Pastor, what happens is we got people that are going through stuff and they're like, man, I don't, I don't like this. Lord, I need you to touch this. I need you to do this. And the Lord's like, all right, you know, it's kind of like this. Come here, sir. said that you're waiting for this door to open. There were some promises that were made to the both of you. 
And there was a move of faith and a great expectation in everything that was spoken. It seems like only a third has been actually performed. And there's a frustration that is there because it's now got you guys questioning whether or not you're in the perfect will of God. But I've come to tell you this day, the Lord says that because of the things that were delayed in the last half of the year, the Lord told me to tell you, he said, there's going to be a revisitation again. And the very thing that was shut in your face is going to open. The Lord told me to tell you this day, he said, do not regret nor resent the change. For the Lord said, I not only did that to move on things naturally, he said, but I also did it that I would change things with you guys spiritually. There's a healing emotionally and spiritually that is coming to you and your family. The Lord told me to tell you, brother, I don't know who you are, but the Lord says you're very loyal. And the thing is, is that you don't like to feel like you've abandoned your post. You don't like to feel like you've betrayed or you've abandoned. You're, you're the guy that if you commit yourself to something, you're going to give it everything you've got. And right now, you feel like you're in a torn place. But I've come to tell you this day that the Lord says, I am going to move on your behalf. The Lord says that he knows how to turn the hearts of kings. And the Lord says that if you submit yourself to the will of God, the way you, you, you thought that certain things were going to fall out a particular kind of way, you kind of had a scope on what life was going to look at. Like five, ten years ago, you had this vision that life was going to be a particular kind of way. And now, all of a sudden, it feels like there's a detour. But I've come to tell you that the Lord knows how to perform what he showed you in the dream. He knows how to perform in a way that may look completely different. The process looks completely different than your expectations or your, the dream, the, the, what he showed you. The expectations of how he's going to perform that may look completely different. But I'm telling you that in the next coming year, you're going to begin to see things fall right in place. You cannot allow your heart to become so focused on what is being held up that you miss what God is doing right now. For the Lord says, I'm doing things beneath the soil. Watch us stretch your hands towards this coming. Father, the name of Jesus, hallelujah. There's change that is going on back home. But the Lord told me to tell you, he said that though your feet can't go where your heart is, the Lord says that my heart, he says that his hand is upon your heart to heal what you can't touch. But the Lord said that if you would pray, he said, you can send your prayer releases angels. And those angels go and they minister in places that your feet cannot go. This day in the name of Jesus, there is a transition that is taking place back home. And the Lord told me to tell you, he said, I am here with you in this season. My sister, do not be overwhelmed by the things that you cannot control. The Lord says he is using this season to get you to trust him. And this season will not be wasted by the power of the authority that is in the name of Jesus. 
I rebuke every fearful, tormenting thought that comes to your mind. In the name of Jesus, the Lord said, do not mourn in days that have not come yet. But the Lord said, use this season to rejoice in what you have right now. For what you have now may not be here tomorrow. That's why you rejoice in what you've got now. So that when tomorrow comes, you don't regret that you did not rejoice. But the Lord says, you're going to see the glory of God. I rebuke every lie of the enemy that has magnified this thing much bigger than what it is. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would see your hand. Let them see another miracle. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, perfect those things that concern them. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, worship the Lord. that are in them. We've got to learn to live out 
what we sing. We've got to learn to live out what we preach. You ever been in church and was like, you know, I will, I will always worship you. And we sing about it, but do we ever do it? Lord, you're good and your mercies endure forever, you know, but that's good. But when's the last time you actually praised the Lord and didn't just sing about it? When's the last time you worshiped the Lord and didn't just worship about it? When's the last time you prayed and didn't just pray about praying? So what am I saying? God starts touching this. And the thing is, he's going to fill this up. He's going to fill everything up that deals with you and your family. But he's like, all right, I'm, 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 I, need you to, I need you to wake up at 2 in the morning. And then you wake up. And you're faithful in that. And it's like, and he sits back and he talks to you for an hour to three hours. And then when you're ready to talk, you talk, but he doesn't say anything back. It's like you're there for him, but he's not really hearing you. And there's that frustration, but you gotta deny that. You gotta reject that and say, Lord, I believe you. I know that I'll receive that. And just know that He knows the way that you take. What we have to do is take this and quit just lifting this before Him and learn to cast it. Why don't you take that? Why don't you take this and call? Put all this, put all your cares in this basket. Act like you got a bunch of cares. Put them in the basket. Got some cares, sister. Put them in the basket. Got some cares, put them in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to take your cares and I want you to cast them. And when you cast it, all your cares are plenty of why? Because he cares for you. And when you do that, you begin to rejoice. And you walk in obedience. Why? Because you know that the master cares for you. I'd rather put my cares in the hand of someone that cares for me than my cares in the hands of someone that has no concern, no care about me. When that happens, all of a sudden, God says, I want you to do this. And he might not even talk about that care, but because you cast it, you don't really care about the Lord. You've cast it to the point where you don't care about and you cast that thing and leave it. And now you start walking in obedience and all of a sudden, you know what happens? Somebody go grab that basket, go grab that basket. All of a sudden, while you guys are just, just go through the garden picking tulips. Pick tulips, working on, working in the garden, work by the sweat of your body. And all of a sudden, while you are doing the will of God, God shows up and says, hey, that's something for you. And everything that you've been praying for is in that basket. And God has supplied. But it was because you became focused. And the thing is, is this. You see, give me that basket back. <laughs> the thing is this, church, is that there are hard times that are coming, yes, but the Spirit of the Lord is here. And the Lord is coming back to you. 
So therefore, we're not looking for the hard times. We're looking for the Lord that's to come. We're not looking for the problems. We're looking for the promise. Um, when we start looking at the problems, whenever you got guys that are always focused on the problems that are coming, and they never tell, and I said that God won't tell us about some things that are ahead. But when all you see is nothing but problems, and you see no promise, then we're creating a culture for people's hearts to fail them for fear of looking after things that are coming on the earth. But when we're like God, I want to look at 